When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishkon. Every Tuesday, we trial a different self-care practice and report back to you on the results. And on Friday, we're back in the studio to explore more of the world of wellness with the latest news, interviews, emails from our wonderful listeners, and the self-care book club. Welcome back to Self-Care Club. Wellness, road tested, the epilogue show. This week is Mental Health Awareness Week. Approximately one in four people in the UK will experience a mental health problem each year. Mental Health Awareness Week aims to get people talking about their mental health and reduce the stigma that can stop people from asking for help. In our main show this week, we practiced our own mental health practices from checking in with friends, asking twice if they were okay, asking what they need and being a presence in which they feel safe to talk. We took it a step further also by offering this conversation to ourselves. So often we prioritise everyone else's needs above our own and in order to keep our mental health balance, we must check in with ourselves and ask the important question, what is it that I need? Mental Health Awareness Week is vital, this year more than ever. And that's why Self Care Club are giving it centre stage with three special episodes. Today, we bring insight from you guys, our wonderful listeners, on what's helped you with your own mental health journey, plus the full interview with our resident therapist, Kate Medlin. Kate is a therapist and the Agni aunt for Bella magazine. She's featured on our show before in our Christmas special, making sure we all stayed sane over what was a very tough holiday season. Today with Kate, we discuss how to parent through mental health, how to help loved ones who may be struggling, how to prioritise ourselves when we really need to, and how Nicole's puppy, weighing on the bed, almost pushed her to tears. We're, we're obviously not qualified therapists, but Nicole and I, and I think pretty much everyone, have got people in their lives who are suffering mm. their mental health. Mm. How do we, as lay people... Mm-hmm. support people we love who are struggling with their mental health and what would be your top tips or your key words of advice so one of the things that i would say is that you need to set aside time if you know that you're supporting somebody that's going through a mental health issue or crisis um it's really important that you kind of uh ring fence the time that you're going to dedicate to that person for your own sake as well as theirs so -hmm. that you're not distracted there aren't kids or dogs jumping in or you know expecting your attention so that that mo that time that you spend with your friend is 
dedicated to them. And it could be 10 minutes. I'm not talking about doing, you know, a two hour stint, but whenever it is that you feel able to give to them, because it is heavy work, it is heavy, it is um, draining to to spend time with a friend that's going through a mental health crisis. And what is important is that you make sure that you have the capacity to be drained by making sure that your own tank is full. Now you do that by protecting yourself, by having boundaries. Mm. So if you are um, looking after somebody or or, um, supporting somebody that's going through a mental health crisis or just has ongoing mental health condition, it is about knowing what your limits are. Because in a way, you know, that we all have the potential to to want to help and to want yeah, to rescue. Yes. And we have, you know, it's very um, common to have a kind of messiah complex, especially if that friend says, oh, you're the only person I can mm-hmm. talk to like this. You're the only person who I can talk to about things like this. It's okay to say, I'm not best equipped I love you and I'm here for you, but actually it would be good for you and me if we share the load. So how how much is okay to take on? And then how do you know if you're taking on too much? Well, I think you know by how you feel when that person tries to get in contact with you. I think, you know, really take a kind of temperature of what it what does it feel like when their phone when their name comes up on your phone when they're Mm. ringing you Mm. I think that I mean it's very difficult isn't it because if someone's in an actual mental health crisis where they are having suicidal thoughts that can ensue panic of Mm. if I don't answer this call what if and of course in that situation it is really important that they are seeking professional mental health support because that load should not be on your shoulders. Um, that be the cutoff for you? Would you say that's the time when that person needs to seek professional help or you need to seek it for them? Yeah, I think the okay. trouble is, is that it, the person needs to be invested and take ownership of seeking out professional support but I know it's difficult but it is really important to say I don't have the skills that you need right now Mm. in terms of helping them because what will happen is if you fill that gap they won't feel the need to go and seek out professional mental health support and they won't probably get what they need if it is a severe mental health issue you know of course friends and family are vitally important in order to support them but they can only take it so far and it is about the best help that you can do it sometimes is to say, I'm I'm here for you. I'm checking in with you. You know, just sending a text, I'm thinking of you, checking in, that doesn't cost you an enormous amount of emotional, back, you know, weight, but is probably very meaningful to the other person. Um, but there, you have to know what your limits are. Yeah. I think women struggle with that, knowing what their limits are and also being able to say, right, I need to put myself first now when someone else is worse off than me. Mm. How do we do that, Kay? How do we relieve ourselves of that? Well, even the way that you, yeah, even the way that you said it, Nicole, makes it sound like you're being selfish to 
put yourself first and it isn't yeah. uh, it is actually about um knowing that pleasing other people all the time isn't always the right way to go and doesn't even help the other person sometimes yeah. it is really important it, it i mean all of the time it is really important to know what your limits are and i think you're right that it is a very female trait to, to we, you know we are naturally people pleasers because we're nurturers and it is very difficult sometimes to leave somebody feeling as if we've disappointed them you know yes. to to tolerate that feeling in ourselves yeah. is really difficult but it is sometimes about having a word with ourselves and going listen i have done all that i can do for this person and to do any more would be detrimental to my own mental health and to my own well-being and mm-hmm. you know i've put things in place or i've suggested that they speak to other people or i've you know reached out to our friends and said hey can you check in with them so therefore i have done what i needed to do in order to take a step back mm-hmm. thank you that's very helpful, isn't yeah, it, Lauren? It really, it really is. <laughs> and it comes back to that boundary thing again. You know, just Absolutely. having those boundaries with yourself and, and then going back to checking in with where you're at in your own mental health journey. But it's that conundrum of feeling a bit depleted yourself, but also feeling horribly selfish, knowing yes. that actually you're not the one struggling, you're fine. Yeah. And not putting that extra bit of time and effort into that other yeah. person. Yeah. That's for me, that's the conundrum. I, and for me. Yeah. I, I totally resonate with that. And I and I struggle to drop that selfish piece. Yeah. Mm. I really do. But, th- but there is, um, but remember that sometimes our feelings of selfishness aren't doing the other person any good. Yes. That's also a very strong point. Mm. Yeah, because there's no point in coming into it depleted because that's not helpful to them. Well, exactly. And also, you know, in a in a therapeutic context, um, that resentment would come into the relationship Mm. in 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 a very deeply unconscious way. But we our unconsciouses do talk to each other. So on some level, if you're empty and if you're running on empty and you choose to take that phone call when it's the last thing you want to do that you know that resentment will be in the phone call so and will be communicated to the other person so Mm. is it not better to say you know what I can't speak right now but can I talk later because I'd be able to be more present for you oh lovely Mm. that sounds lovely (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Nicole. Hi, Lauren. I am going to rephrase your question to what helps me with my mental health every day, because this is something which is obviously still ongoing and um, it's really simple and it's free and um, it's walking. I walk every day, even if it's for half an hour or an hour and I take a book and I read a couple of pages, sometimes a chapter, and I feel better after that. And I feel like it's helpful to whatever feelings or whatever emotions I'm going through that day or that week. I feel like that is my tip for just kind of making things feel okay. Um, And I just thought I'd share that with you and I hope that's helpful for others. 
Okay, bye. Hello, ladies and clubbers. Massive fan of the podcast. So what I do on a bad mental health day is to treat myself and speak to myself like I would a loved one and think of a small achievable thing that I could do to help in any small way, nothing massive. It might be lighting a candle, stroking my cat or looking at my garden and just taking it easy on myself, I think, self-talk and practicing a bit of self-love can really reframe how I'm feeling if I feel rubbish. Let's pivot a little bit. Okay. Can we talk about um, parenting and mental health? How can we support, listen, our children are going through so much. My dad is always saying to me, God, I wouldn't want a parent at this time or anything. Yeah. Um, And, you know, kids have been through lockdown and God knows what is Mm. going on with our kids. And we don't really know what the effects are going to have on Mm. them. How do we support our children through their mental health journey? And again, the same question, look after ourselves at the same time. Mm. Well, I think validation is the key word here in that don't have expectations on it. See, the, the trouble is, is that our, we have to navigate feeling that our children are an extension of ourselves yes. and allowing them to be separate to us. Yeah. Um, oh, I hear that loud and clear, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's a difficult road to navigate. Every part of parenting is, uh, you know, sometimes they take a step forward that we're not ready for them to take, whether it's walking to school for the first time on their own or going out with a a boy or a girl and we're not ready for them to move into that stage. Um, And it is how do we manage that separation? And the separation anxiety that exists between a parent and a child always originates with the mother. If a child is feeling anxious, it's because something is being picked up from, it might be the the father as well. Let me be clear. It's not just the mother that, you know, it's not just us that damage our children. It's all of us. It's not all our responsibility. No, it is. The poem is they fuck you up, fuck your, you mom up your mom and, and dad. dad. Not exactly. Just <laughs> exactly. They may not mean to, but they but will. They do. Exactly. And the thing is, is it's how do we not take it personally? That is the key to how do we allow ourselves to stand back and if our child is suffering, to Mm. just be able to be there without, because what we want most of all is to take their pain away, mainly because it's painful for us to Mm. feel their pain. Mm. So how do we sit with it and how do we uh, validate their feelings without um, indulging it? Because that's the other fine line, isn't it? That we mustn't be held to rant by a child that is, you know, saying, I don't want to go to school today, for example, or I don't want to get up or I don't want to eat or I don't want, you know, I'm feeling too sad to dot, dot, dot. Now, Mm. obviously, you're living in my house, Kate. What is going on? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really difficult and fine line to tread. And Nicole, I think the, the reason that I'm able to say that is because it's so prevalent, especially at the moment. I think, you know, children are really struggling and parents, obviously, but with the readjustment back to going to school, you know, they had a long time where there wasn't the routine that they needed to stick to. And now the routine is back. And how do we navigate that fine line between 
um, managing their mental health and validating their mm. feelings, but without being held to ransom by it. Mm. I think it's listening. I think it is listening and trying not to fix. I have to say, from my own experience of parenting, you will remember, Kate, when I went through, when I went through Zach, my middle child's yeah. anxiety when he mm. was finishing primary school. He was about mm. 11 and he had never really been like this before, but he went through this acute period of anxiety and it triggered terrible things in me. I couldn't, mm. I couldn't cope with it. I think exactly what you were saying. He's a reflection of me. I'm not an anxious person. Why is he anxious? Is this my fault? The best, best, best thing that I ever did was to send him to talk to somebody mm. else who wasn't me. Mm. And Part of me felt guilty for outsourcing it. Mm. And part of me felt like I am not Relieved. equipped. Yeah, I, I have to own the fact that I'm not equipped to deal with this situation and he needs someone who is. Mm. And what she explained was, I'm not fixing him, but what I'm giving him is tools for life so that should yeah. this reappear later on in his life, he will be able to cope with it. And I'm so glad that I wasn't too proud to do that because that was it was a hard thing for me to do was mm. to accept I've got a child who's really anxious and I, I can't deal with that and I'm his mum and I should be able to but well, I'm really glad should. I did that well, we both said that yeah. Yeah. Should, that bloody awful negative word should. Yeah. but I guess I just want to say to any other parents who are listening that actually when I look back now and he is fine now I don't think of that as a failure on my part mm. I, I actually think it was exactly the right thing to do and no, I would encourage absolutely. anyone else to. Absolutely. And I see a lot of parents, actually, who sometimes they will come to me and say, oh, my child is struggling. And I say, why don't you come and see me? <laughs> because <laughs> it is, I feel that my role is about uh, teaching the parents how to manage their children's mental health difficulties as yes. much as anything and absolutely outsourcing it and get it, giving them a space to talk to somebody else. You know, it, it, absolutely. That's a definitely an option as well, but I would also want to talk to the parents uh, mm. in terms of, it really depends. It's, it varies obviously depending on what's going on. And um, sometimes a child does need a space outside of the family setting. Um, uh, but I also, you know, I, I talk, I deal with a lot of parents who are like, you know, I've got tangled up in a pattern with my child and I don't know how to untangle it. And they just need a third eye and maybe a different yeah. way to communicate. And I find it often comes from fear, you know, the fear of failing their child, the fear oh. that their child is going to fail, the fear that they're going to be like their mother, speak like their mother, experience that, you know, that their child's going to experience them in the way that their mother, you know, was for them. Um, and actually, if we can just let go of fear and, oh and sort God. of be in awe of our children and so see them time. as separate um, and amazing creatures, be curious and yeah. interested. This week, we are sponsored by Notion. Why do we love Notion? Because it brings our ideas to life. It's like having access to tomorrow's tools today by combining all our research scripts and notes into one simple space with the added power of AI built right inside, not a separate AI tool or browser tab. 
I used it the other day to plan all our social content for the next three months. It's made what's usually a really long daunting task super quick, simple and streamlined, leaving us with more time and energy to focus on what truly matters, which is bringing self-care to the listeners and less stress for us. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organise and rediscover the joy of play and the Notion AI turns that knowledge into action. It can answer any question in seconds, summarise your meeting notes and keeps you completely organised. If you can think it, you can make it. It's become an integral part of our podcasting toolkit and we're calling it self-care. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash self-care club. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash self-care club and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you're supporting our show. Notion.com slash self-care club. This week at Sukarnov. Jim recently joined Luke on the Luke and Pete show to discuss the do's and don'ts of riding roller coasters. So why are we talking about him today? We're talking about him because he once killed a goose with his face on a roller coaster. (laughs) And over at Self Care Club, Lauren and Nicole are talking about taking care of yourself while supporting others for Mental Health Awareness Week. I also think that this Mental Health Awareness Week is beautifully timed Mm. because we are slowly coming out of lockdown. Mm. Everyone is feeling a little bit all over the place. Where should I be? What do I want? What do I not want? All those questions. So it's an unsettled feeling, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So I think the timing of this week is absolutely imperative. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. We do, we do sometimes put the fear of God into my eldest daughter, you know, <laughs> as in just careful what you text and whatever you're sending on or whatever you're writing down, make sure that you'd be happy for your headmaster to see it or don't mm. be that girl or don't wear that or don't, you know, mm. you don't want your, we do do that. We put like the fear in her so that she then somehow behaves correctly. Well, I don't know. I think those warnings are all very valid, you know, especially at, I think there is, it's such the norm to send, especially sexualized messages. Um, and I think saying, you know, remember, this is going to be out there forever. I don't think. And also, of course, we're navigating a world that we never had to navigate when we were children. Yes. My parents say that to me all the time. They're like, you are dealing with shit we never dealt with. Absolutely. I always say that. We're the first generation. Yes. And when our parents were children and when we were children, it was the the same. same. Yeah. When our, from when we were children and our children are now children, it's a different Universe. We're working in a vacuum, yeah. As parents, basically yeah. now, we don't know what we're doing. No, <laughs> does anyone? Does anyone know what they're doing? Put your hand up now. But you know what? I remember my son when he was about fourteen turned around to me and said, "Mom, do you ever question your parenting decisions and choices?" Wow. And I just laughed and said, oh, "All the time." I said, "I'm totally winging it." And yeah. the thing yeah. is, I think that that was such a pivotal moment for yeah. me and him where I didn't need to pretend that I knew all the answers anymore. Mm, Um, You know, your kids come to you and say, mum, this is broken, you know, this toy, this 
whatever it is and they expect you to be able to fix everything yes. you know yes. when you're little that they look at you like you can make everything better and I yeah. actually think there comes a time um, in our children's lives where we have to say look you know we're just winging it too we're making it up as we go along so let's make it up together what do you think because mm-hmm. I think we don't have to provide them with all the answers because in a way that disenables them yes. so if they do have a problem remember you don't have to be the one that sorts it and solves it by yourself We can, you can sit down with your child together and go what should we do about this then yeah. let's have a think together oh I love that mm. oh I love that there's that lovely story I think I've told it on this show before my friend who's now a head teacher she was a teacher at the time and she was playing a game with her children in her classroom and they said if you had to go up into a hot air balloon forever what is the one thing you would take and everyone would say oh, I would take my blanket or I would yeah. take some food or I would take water and one little boy stood up and said I would take a mummy because they know how to do everything oh <laughs> Oh, Isn't that so sweet? But they do. They do. they do. But they do. But also, they have moments where they want to cry because the dogs peed on the bed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Absolutely. that's okay. But you know what? That was my that was my moment of okay. You're burnt out. Enough yeah. now. Mm. I needed that yeah. moment. Mm. See, the dog actually gave you a gift, Nicole. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pushing it slightly. (laughs) But thank you. I have a question for you, Kate, because this is something I personally struggle with. And I know that I coach a lot of women through this as well. Have you got any tips in how we can ask for help? Because that seems to be a huge moment of reflection and a huge part of our mental health journey and something that we seem to all collectively be awful at. Yeah, I think sometimes, and this is so prevalent in my consulting room, in um, whether it's with the students that I work with at the university or in my private practice, is that sometimes people feel, well, I asked for help and I didn't get what I needed. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to recognize how do we ask and who are we asking? Because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes if we come from a place of expectation where we're not going to get our needs met for whatever reason, whether it's because we had parents that took up a lot of emotional space and therefore we need to be needed to be compliant or whether there was a sibling in the family who, you know, was externalizing everything and we internalized, whatever the reason, um, sometimes we think that we're screaming out, help me, when actually we're metaphorically whispering. So I think it's about recognize or or question to yourself, how is it that I'm asking? How am I showing people that I'm struggling? What is it that, you know, would I be able to notice if somebody showed that to me? Um, And also pick the people that you choose to open up to, you know, also, what I hear a lot is, oh, I'm everybody else's shoulder to cry on. But if I were to cry on somebody else's shoulder, it would be a burden to them. <laughs> Nicole and I are hard resonating with that right now. <laughs> I'm speechless. Yeah. It can't, that's not fair. It has to work both ways. You know, if you feel privileged that you are the shoulder to cry on for us, for other people, because it is a privilege, it is an honor, um, when people open up to you in a way that they might not to other people, you have to recognize that the same applies for you, especially in a way if you're that person that doesn't ask for help very often. 
So I think, you know, it's, it's about what language do you use? If, if the word help is difficult, how do you let somebody know that you're struggling? How do you say to somebody about what, sorry? I'm thinking about Karamo from Queer Eye. Lovely. Mm. A little bit louder today. Yeah. When he was talking about when he's having a bad day and he says, I say to my friends and family, I need you to love me a little bit louder. Yeah. Mm. And I like what you've said, Kate. I think this is very, very important is who will you ask for help? Mm. Because there's only a few people that you want to share that part of your story with Mm. and that can hold it like you need to be held, like it yeah. needs to be held. And and that's another way of communicating, isn't it? I need to be held today. Yeah. And I think you're right. And sometimes what we do is unconsciously we're drawn towards asking the people that we know we're not going to get much back from. Why? Because that's Why our, would we do that? Because it's our expectation. It's something called repetition compulsion where we, we go back to this, the early wound and we repeat it and bang our head against the same bit of our of the wall uh, in order to try and repair that wound, in order to try and repair that damage and mm. actually acknowledging, hold on, this pattern isn't working for me. Let me think about why that is. You know, it might be that that person has their own, you know, if they grew up, and I'm obviously hypothesizing, if that person grew up with a very needy or depressed mother, somebody asking them for help will have very different connotations to somebody else. Um, Mm. It might be quite triggering for them and therefore they go into defense. No, you're fine mode, you know, because they can't bear for, you know, you, the strong person to be struggling right now. So think about who you ask. Mm, Love that. Mm, Thank you. Also, I think it's really important that we ask the strong people in our life. And I know you guys have been doing that this week, asking twice, haven't you? Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking, actually, as you were speaking, if I ever turn to my husband and say, I need help today, Mm -hmm. I don't use that language. Mm -hmm. But however I show up in that, he'll always, he's always there with Mm -hmm. his arms open. And my sister, Mm -hmm. these are not places I hide away from. They're Mm -hmm. places that I can just... I can do that. I can reach out and say, I'm, I'm really struggling. So I called my husband today and told him about the story with the dog and the peeing. And, mm. and I said, I'm burnt out. And he said, what do you need? And I said, I just needed to tell you that. That was yeah. all. I think I've learned to be very clear. So, I, you know, when I have needed help and I've said, you know, I've expressed it to Ollie, I've not been clear about it. So he would say, why are you, why are you so angry? Or why are you so X, Y, Z when I need to be very specific about it. He's like, I'm not a psychic. I don't know that this, <laughs> that has happened or that's made you feel like this. You yeah. need, you know, explain it. Yes. So I, when I explain it clearly, he's able to help. But if I don't do that, it's like a, you know, it's too confusing. I think as well, your husband's response, Nicole, of what do you need is so apt and mm. so containing because sometimes, uh, and I'm generalizing obviously, but men go into fix it mode and, okay, so what needs to happen is this. And, uh, you know, in order, in a way we sometimes do that with our children as well, because we want to take their pain away or immediately kind of erase it. And actually sometimes you just want someone to sit beside you Mm -hmm. and go, yeah, you're feeling this. And it might not be literally physically sitting beside you, but it sounds like what your husband said allowed you to feel sat beside. Yeah, it did. Thank you for that. And I think we've learned how to do that together through a lot of uh, 
through a lot of error mm. um, and a lot of trying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. It's about in a way. It lets you know. It's it's a relief to to hear. Actually, I don't need you to solve this. I don't mm. need you to fix this problem. Mm. Just I just need you to hear it exactly yeah. and say that must be really hard for you. I'm sorry you're yeah. going through that. For me, I find that working with house plants um, is quite good for my mental health. I really like growing them from cuttings. Um, so I joined like the Facebook communities. Um, in the UK and we sort of swap houseplant cuttings so sort of post them to each other and you know obviously we don't charge each other and it's just a really nice way to sort of help with my mental health because it's something that I guess relies on me and that I'm growing um, and also they're very very pretty so that's probably the main thing that I do to help with my mental health. Hello, so my name is Jessie. First of all, thank you both so much for having me on your podcast. I listen to you both each week um, and quite often find myself belly laughing along to you both. I think you're brilliant um, and I absolutely love what you're doing, so thank you. Um, in terms of self-care for myself, each week I go along to a hypnotherapy session um, and as well as being put under hypnosis, he also is a counsellor, so he sits with me um, and we talk talk quite in depth about traumas that I've been through within my 26 years of life um, and to make that step and go was really really difficult I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position um, I'm having to be really open and honest with someone that you know I, I didn't initially know but I have come on absolute leaps and bounds um, since going along and having these sessions it's one of the best things I've ever done with my life it's given me a new lease of life a new found confidence and I will definitely continue to go and grow so when it comes to friends I I really try my best to ask my friends how they are twice I feel like you ask somebody how they are once and they can quite confidently yeah I'm fine and you know shoo you off if you like but if you ask them twice I feel like you break down some barriers and people start talking um, and you, you never know what people are going through behind closed doors everyone has their own stuff that's going on whether it's similar to what you're going through or not everyone has their stuff so I really try to talk to my friends I really try to listen to them um, encourage them to get out go walking chat just to do anything to make them feel better um, mental health is such you know a big part of my life or has been a big part of my life um, and I know that it continues to kind of impact other people's lives as well so I'm here for it I'm here to talk about it um, and here to really encourage people to help themselves and help others around life is bloody tough life is really hard um, so anything that makes it that little bit easier okay we always ask our guests that come on um, our final question of what do you do for your own self-care? I get my tank filled by being uh, with other people. I mean, I enjoy my own company as well. So I also need time by myself. Um, but I love the interactions that I have with my friends. Um, I prefer small groupings rather than big groupings. So I orchestrate that I have one-to-one -one interactions, which luckily have always been allowed, even through lockdown when we were allowed to go out for walks. Um, I 
take my mental health temperature and then manage my expectations accordingly of what could be expected of me that day. Mm, Taking my mental health temperature, that is beautiful. (laughs) What a lovely nugget to take away. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming back on our show and for being our resident therapist. We need one. We do. (laughs) We have one. It's it's my pleasure. And you guys just keep on doing what you do. It's very important. Thank Thank you. Thank Thank you, Kate. Gorgeous to speak to you again. Take care. If you enjoy the show, want to be part of the club, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at selfcareclubpod. And if you like what we do and want to let us know, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts? It really, really helps us out. And finally, if you want to give us any suggestions on what you want to try out or let us know what you've tried and what the practices are and how it's helped you, please be sure to send us a message on our socials for a chance to be featured on the show. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creator Network.